When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to the Learning Unlocked podcast presented by Open Sesame. Taking a deep dive into the global world of learning and development with practical tips and tricks, along with insights from leading brands and the people that make them work. This is Learning Unlocked. Now, here's your host, Brian Berger. My guest is Dr. Cyan Proctor, geoscientist, explorer, space artist, and astronaut. She was a mission pilot for the Inspiration for All Civilian Orbital Mission to Space. She's the first black woman to pilot a spacecraft. You can follow her on Twitter at Dr. Cyan Proctor. How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. This is the first time I've ever gotten to interview an astronaut, so I'm I'm pretty thrilled to be doing this. Yay. And uh, I watched the Netflix show mm-hmm. and just fantastic. And and I just love your story. So let's start with you were born on Guam. Mm-hmm. Your dad worked for NASA and how did you get interested in space? I would imagine if you have a dad who works for NASA, it's kind of going to happen no matter what. Well, there was a couple of things that was really interesting. Um, when I, I was born on Guam because of that, my dad was at the NASA tracking station there for the for four years um, during the Apollo missions. But soon after I was born, they left Guam and my dad went into, you know, computers and other things. It, but I grew up with NASA memorabilia on my dad's office wall. So from an early age, I could go in and see like the Neil Armstrong autograph or, you know, medallions and certificates that my dad had gotten from that time. And and that just, kind of, you know, you, you grow up in that surrounded by inspiration for um, space and, and the advancement of human space flight. And so, but from the earliest memories, I wanted to be a fighter pilot and an astronaut. That's so neat. And I saw that you took the Neil Armstrong note to space with you. I did. And I saw how emotional that was for you and your family to be able to take that with you up to space. What a great piece of memorabilia and to be able to take it to space that must have been amazing yeah you know when I look back at my dad and his career you know when I got older um, first my father passed away when I was 19 and you don't really appreciate your parents till you become adults mm. and and so it, and, he, and he was gone be, by the time I was ready to ask some of the you know relevant questions about his life and his career and and I think back to the fact that you know, there isn't really any record of him and his contribution um, to NASA. You don't see it in any films. You know, it's kind of like being one of those hidden figures. When that movie came out, I was like, oh, you know, right. my dad was like a hidden figure. And But we had the Neil Armstrong autograph. 
to him. And so if it wasn't for that space memorabilia, right. that part of his history would have been erased. And and so thinking about the fact that, you know, my dad contributed to the advancement of human spaceflight, and now me as his daughter being able to go up and also con- contribute, um, but to tie those two things together through that Neil Armstrong autograph. What a family. I mean, your dad and, and what you've done and what are there? It says at the end of the Netflix special, only 600 people have been to outer space. So I mean, that is a select few. It is a very select few. Um, but we're, you know, it's opening up. And the fact that we were the first all civilian mission to orbit, mm-hmm. um, I'm excited for the future as a result of that, where people who, that was their childhood dream to go to space, but they, you know, for whatever reason, limitations and stuff, and not being, you got to be the best of the best to be selected as an astronaut. Um, And not everybody can achieve that, obviously. It's very select. So now with the commercial space coming and more access, we're, we're seeing um, regular people who have this dream mm-hmm. realizing it, whether it's suborbital or orbital. And so when I think about the fact that Captain Kirk, William Shatner has gone to space, you know, and Michael Strahan and Wally Funk and and these people who, you know, um, probably thought that that would never happen in their mm-hmm. lifetime are, are now getting to experience this. You were 38 and you didn't make it into NASA to go to space. And a lot of people would have taken that and said, you know what, I guess it's never gonna happen. Mm -hmm. You persevered and you did this two minute video. And we talk a lot on this Learning Unlock podcast about elevator pitches and you know how do you make your imprint on someone in a very brief amount of time? Two minutes isn't a very long time. And you had to do this Twitter video. How do you decide what am I going to do in the two minutes that's going to help get me to space? Well, you know, one of the things that was interesting is that I had seen some of the other people who had entered the contest already and them, you know, telling their, their resume, their bio. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew that I wanted to rep- represent myself as an artist and a poet. And I thought, you know, instead of saying those things are what I am, I'm going to show you that this is what I am. And, and I wrote this original poem called Space to Inspire. And, and to be able to take that and to read that poem, um, I think that was the difference, is that I actually showed myself as that. Uh, and, and people really resonated with the words that I had created in that poem. And, and I think that when we're talking about that elevator pitch, it doesn't have to be necessarily your resume. Right. It can be you putting them in that that role and helping, helping people imagine imagine themselves um, in some creative way with what it is you're trying to say. Now, when you got that Zoom call, and again, I saw this on the Netflix special, did you have any idea that that's the news they were going to give you, that you've been chosen, you're going to space? Or did you just think, well, we're just, you know, maybe it's part of the interview process and things like that? You know, I thought it was the just the interview process, but I did say to my one friend, I said, you know, do you think that maybe they're calling to tell me I won? But it was only a week afterwards. And she was like, no, you know, you know, it's probably just, uh, you know, uh, some kind of form or, or thing that you need to do. Because I didn't think that they would have, uh, you know, announced at least pick the the winner so quickly and 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 but it was it was that life changing kind of like moment. Um, 
And and I as soon as I saw Jared on the mm-hmm. Zoom, that's when I was like, mm, "What's going on yeah. here? Something's up." And but it didn't take him long to to break the news that I had won. I mean, I gotta tell you, I've never met you before today, and when I watched that and you got that news, I was genuinely so excited for you because you could just tell this was such a dream of yours and how important this was to you and to be able to get that news. And then you go from that. How long was it before? You're actually lifting off. Was it five months? How long did you have to prepare for the flight? We, um, and so I found out that I was selected on March 7th. So that's a celebration day for me every year. And then we told the world um, March 30th. And then we launched September 15th. Okay. So March 30th, we announced the next day we're off to training with Centrifuge training was the first thing that we did. And so it was literally five and a half months um, to, you know, lift off. And, and, and not only did Jared say, congratulations, you won your seat to space. He said, I think you would be an excellent mission pilot. And, and I had my pilot's license, but that was for a Cessna 172 and I hadn't even flown in over a decade. And so to get that, uh, and for him to say, I want you to be the mission pilot. And for me to be realize that, the next six months was going to be really heavy training um, to figure out how to be the pilot of a, of a spacecraft. Um, but SpaceX is fantastic. They did a great job of, of training me and my, my crewmates. Uh, and I felt, I felt confident that I was ready uh, when we lifted off. First black woman to be a pilot in space. That's, <laughs> I mean, that's groundbreaking stuff. Is it sunk in? Did it sink in at the time what that meant? It didn't at the time, but it was one of those things where I thought, golly, you know, I had two dreams when I was a kid, become a fighter pilot and uh, and go to space. Um, but that, and I was able to combine them. And and what what was interesting is that I wanted to be a fighter pilot so that I could go off and be the mission pilot or the commander of the shuttle. You know, because that's the age that I grew up in mm-hmm. was that. Uh, and then when I applied for NASA as a mission specialist, you know, the idea of being the pilot never would have happened. Um, and but then with commercial space, I was able to achieve the two childhood dreams, yeah. you know, you get to go to space and be an astronaut, but you also get to be the mission pilot. And you're like, what is this Disneyland? What's going on? You know, <laughs> uh, it's it just that magical, uh, transformative moment. More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Diversity, equity, and inclusion continues to be a top priority for businesses everywhere. Open Sesame has created a survey that will give you insight into where your organization stands on diversity. Aside from being educational, this survey is a powerful tool to help you understand areas of improvement and spark conversations about strategies for creating a more inclusive and equitable workplace. After you take the short survey, you'll get access to Open Sesame's DEI Toolkit, an online hub where you can find additional resources. Visit OpenSesame.com today to start your survey. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. Okay, so you go through these months of training and you get to the day where it's launch day. When you're stepping into the spacecraft and you've had your whole life of dreaming of this moment, I mean, 
so many people dream of something and not that many people get to experience it again something like this one of 600 people ever to go into space what's that like when you're putting on the spacesuit you're sitting in the in the spacecraft and you're getting ready to launch i nothing but pure joy mm. and excitement because I made it. Yeah. I made it yeah. to lift off. Because again, you know, my family and my friends, everybody was really excited when they learned that I got inspiration for it. And I said, yeah, you can be excited, but keep in mind, this is like um, getting selected for the Olympic team. You still have to compete for the gold medal. And 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 going, getting to lift off was the gold medal. That was the that moment. Um, and and splashdown was the ceremony, mm-hmm. right? You're like, you made it. And, and so that, that the time between selection and liftoff was really intense because, you know, just because we got selected, SpaceX told us, you still have to earn your spot. Like they had to certify me as the mission pilot. And they did that by, you know, making sure that I was actually qualified to take on that spot. And then you had to worry about um, getting hurt or getting sick. You know, these are things that could derail you and and you could lose that opportunity. So by the time we were getting dressed and walking out to the spacecraft, I'm like, heck yeah, let's do this. I was so excited. And I think that shows in the Netflix that yeah. I'm like, you know, kind of fist pumping right. and, yeah. and, 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 and giving high fives to my crew members and just all of those things. Well, and I have to say this, it seems like not that there was fear from your other crew members, but, you know, you could see in the Netflix special, there's moments of, you know, this is risky mm-hmm. and the family members want to support the dream, but they're also fearful of things that have happened in the past and they want you to come home safely. I felt like your charisma and your attitude and your excitement kind of like brought everyone else on the crew. They're like, all right, she's really excited. Like, we're just going to go with that versus being fearful. Well, I think part of it is knowing that it's a calculated risk and understanding Mm -hmm. that. But this journey is so transformative and such, uh, you know, like you said, it is a a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. And being able to be in the moment and express that joy, even though you know that there was risk involved, um, being able to understand that the reward and the experience um, and and being in the moment of that, of of enjoying it and being happy about it um, can outweigh that, those risks. And and I think that, uh, you know, as a crew, we just kind of came together and just complimented each other so well. And, and then even being on orbit, it just was such a fantastic experience. And each one of you has such a distinct story. We did. And, and that was part of Jared's thing is he yeah. wanted everybody to have a message that um, was inspiring in itself, uh, mm-hmm. that could stand alone on itself. Um, and because that's, that way, as a crew, somebody's going to resonate with one of us, you know, um, and feel themselves through our lens. And, I, and that, that was part of um, making this an inspirational journey. All right. So you get out into space and you know again i see in the netflix special you guys are like throwing food around and (laughs) you know you're in zero gravity yeah but you have this huge window and you can look through the window and see earth and see space i'm sure you know as a kid and again a dad who worked for nasa you see the movies contact and everything else and you imagine what space is like but when you saw it for yourself what was that moment like it was the most 
amazing, transformative, transcending, mm. um, exhilarating experience to um, have the cupola, the yeah. largest window yet flown in space, right? Um, and to be able to open up that hatch door and just have the spacecraft flood it with um, what I call, you know, earth shine, you know, earth light, the reflective light and energy coming back at you from our planet and feeling it among on your skin and having it light up the area around you. Uh, and, and, then, and then to look out and see the colors of our planet. Um, and and it, it's just so bright and beautiful, set, uh, set against the blackness yeah. uh, and the void of space. Uh, you know, I can try to describe it. And, and, and one of the things I'm working on is like, what is the poem that really kind of captures mm -hmm. that? But I just want more people to experience it for themselves um, because it really is just fantastic. Um, and, and the closest thing that I can relate it to is when you go out on a full moon, night of a full moon, mm -hmm. and you can film the moonlight, right. um, it, you know, hitting you and that mood that you feel under a full moon. Um, you know, you can imagine that in space, but you're under um, earth light and, and you're feeling the whole entire energy um, just radiating, the pulsating life. I would imagine that you can't take your eyes off of it. You can't, but the thing is, you're moving so fast, you go into light and dark, and and so it was interesting to balance between wanting to be have the cupola open door, you know, the access to the cupola open all the time, and just being up there versus the mission, because we were also doing science. Um, we had a task that we had to do every mm -hmm. day, and so it, you really had to pull yourself away um, and and focus on the, you know, a lot of that research that we were doing. And for me, I wanted to do art um, in space also. So taking the time, I couldn't paint up in the cupola because there's not enough time and there's not enough light because you're going, you're orbiting the earth every 90, um, 90 minutes. So that's a sunrise and a sunset every 45. And so I had to go down in an area of the spacecraft where you had light and you know you could work and you were out of the way of others because if you know anything about painting, it takes hours. <laughs> yeah. So, all right, you're up in space. Um, one of your favorite movies is Top Gun. And I heard you talking earlier today. Did Tom Cruise call you while you're in space? Did he, he did. He talked to the crew while yes, you guys were in space. He did. It was fantastic. <laughs> and so um, we were all a fan of Top Gun. I grew up in that era. And Jared, my commander, as a, you know, a... Um, an aviator and he has military aircraft. It's one of his favorite movies. And Haley hadn't watched it. So we made her watch it. And so we were just all talking about how it was one of the things that bonded us. And so we were pleasantly surprised when we got a call from Tom Cruise. That's amazing. Yeah, he was great. It was so much so much fun to talk to him and and to share the fact that, you know, we had watched Top Gun together as a crew and that we did do fighter um, uh, training as part of our um, training process. We mm -hmm. got to fly in fighter jets. What did he want to know? Did he have any specific questions of what's it like in space? Yeah, you know, he basically just wanted to wish us, um, you know, good luck up mm -hmm. there and and um, and just our journey. Uh, I think it's something that he would probably maybe want to do. Mm -hmm. um, and, and just kind of what it was like for us to go through this training and now to reach the, the point where the reward was there of us actually having that. Mm -hmm. 
More of Learning Unlocked is coming up after this. Open Sesame helps companies develop the world's most productive and admired workforces. How? By having the most comprehensive catalog of e-learning courses from the world's top publishers, publishers like TED and Harvard. And having courses that cover learning topics like diversity, equity, and inclusion, leadership development, safety and compliance, and wellness. Try a course for free today by visiting opensesame.com backslash course of the week. Back to Learning Unlocked. Here's Brian Berger. What if they say, hey, we want you to go back. We want you to pilot a mission again. Oh, I would love that. Okay, so so <laughs> yes. you're up for it again. You had such a great time that you'd want to do it again. Yes, um, three days wasn't enough. Yeah. You know, uh, because by the time your body adapts, and feels comfortable, it was the third day. The third day I woke up and the puffiness in the head and the stuffiness was Mm -hmm. gone. And, you know, the first day, you know, when I got on orbit, I had a little nausea from, you know, space adaptation sickness. And, and, but that we, you know, you can take care of that through drugs, but just your, your, you know, getting yourself orientated so that you, you're functioning and working um, really well and efficient. The third day we woke up and we were humming. I mean, <laughs> I felt great. I'm spinning and turning. And then you have to come home. Uh, you're like, no, no, no. I need it. I need more time. I'm ready. What's re-entry like? Re-entry is intense. It looks like it. It's much more intense than liftoff um, because you, you've been in zero gravity and then you hit the atmosphere and you've got to take all the energy out that orbital velocity. You know, you're going 17,500 miles per hour and, and then you've got to dissipate all of that by, through the energy, uh, you know, through going through the atmosphere. And so you start, as soon as you hit the atmosphere, you start the, the G-load again. And, and, but your body's not used to it. And so I just remember as we were building up to about six G's, it was a long duration of kind of like having to like, um, feel that pressure in Mm -hmm. your chest. Uh, And then finally you kind of like get through the, um, the re the main part of the re-entry and your main, your drogues come out and then your mains. And once those fire and come out, you're like, all right. You know, we're not going to die. Yeah. <laughs> well, that, that seems to me like, at least in the Netflix documentary, that was the point when you have the seven minutes, I think, of, yes. of no radio contact yes. and yeah. everyone's sitting there going, okay, we're, we're calling them on the comm and, and we're just waiting to hear the voice. And yes. then they hear the voice and all the families cheer and everything. Mm-hmm. And, but that is, it's pretty intense. You get, because you don't know. I right. mean, there's nothing we can do about it. If there is an issue with, um, you know, the heat shields or any of that, you just, or your center of gravity's off in some way, you, there's nothing you can do and you're going to, you know, tumble up and, and you know, not make it. Um, and so it, it really is that moment of, um, I hope everything's going to be all right. Mm-hmm. But in from the spacecraft perspective, you're sitting there and of course Jared and I are monitoring the systems, but we have the dragon eyes that are up front and we're looking and we're like, wow, look at the, you know, sparks going by. And so we were enjoying it. Um, even though it's an intense moment, we still were, we were in the moment enjoying the process and understanding the feel on our body as the G's are getting up to six Mm -hmm. and having to pressure breathe and be like, okay, okay, you know, this is good. We're, we're still doing good. And, and then seeing the sparks fly past the window. Um, yeah, it, it was amazing. Was there anything about the trip that you 
had imagined or you thought you knew. And when you were actually there, you were like, oh my gosh, this is so much different or so much better than I thought it would be. <laughs> Opening the cupola, so much better than I thought it would be. <laughs> uh, and the reason why is that none of us really, we knew that we would be able to see the earth, but we didn't realize is that we'd be able to see the entire sphere of the earth wow. because we could slide up enough um, so that you could see the edge of black space all around the earth and, and, and the star field below it. Uh, and then just none of us really anticipated the whole idea of like the moon there too, yeah. just hanging suspended off to the side. Wow. That's incredible. Before I let you go, um, Jedi, just equitable, uh, diverse and inclusive space. Mm -hmm. I know this is very important to you. And as you talked, you want, you know, regular people to be able to go to space in the future. Talk about that a little bit, if you would. Yeah. And so, you know, as a kid, Star Trek was a big part of me, mm -hmm. uh, my family growing up and thinking about, well, as we advance human spaceflight, how do we strive for that Jedi space, that just, equitable, diverse and inclusive space so that it's not, you know, you, you are truly representing humanity on this journey to the stars. Um, but it's also applicable here on Earth. And when I talk about my motto, space to inspire, how you can use your unique space to inspire those within your reach mm -hmm. and beyond, that space that inhabits you, the space that you take everywhere you go. Well, how do you make that a Jedi space, a just, equitable, diverse and inclusive space? And, and so this whole idea of like everywhere you go, you can be thinking about um, how you can be part of this Jedi space. And if we all did that on the entire globe, imagine what humanity, what we would be like as a species if we all strived to create Starship Earth, a Jedi space. Before I let you go, I know you're doing art. I know you just talked about your, your missions there. What do you want to do next? You know, I think um, really continue to develop my uh, my voice as an artist and a mm -hmm. poet. Uh, my book Space to Inspire is now available on Amazon. I, I'm self print. I'm self publishing it, so I'm very excited about that. To just share that the you know the things that I've been doing the last two years as an artist and a poet. Um, so I'm proud of that collection, and I just want to continue to use that you know to inspire people. Dr. Cyan Proctor, it is an honor to speak with you. What an amazing journey that you've had. I'm sure you have many great things to do still. Thank you so much for joining us on the Learning Unlocked podcast. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to Learning Unlocked, presented by Open Sesame. Download this and every episode on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Learning Unlocked is produced by Griggs Productions.